of the Lord to us today. How many of you heard what he was saying? How many of you believe the Holy Spirit was speaking through him today? I, I, I really believe that. And I'm just going to kind of wrap some things up here. I'm not going to go into a full word, but I want you to take your Bibles out. Turn with me to Matthew 6. And then we're going to jump into James, and I want to do something with you this morning. Because I believe that we are in a season, we're in a season of encounter. I believe we're in a season where God wants to speak to the church. Amen? And He wants to speak in a mighty way. And uh, the title of my message, and I'm only going to, by way of just introduction, get into this this morning. I want to speak to you uh, on releasing heaven on earth. Release, can everyone say that with me? Releasing heaven on earth. Say it with me. Releasing heaven on earth. Now, some of you may not realize this. How many here have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I mean, go ahead and raise your hand up high. If you don't, that's okay. And it's okay if you don't have it. But I do want to tell you that you need to pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why I said that is the Bible says that we need the baptism because the Bible says we don't always know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit, Romans 8 says, He prays and intercedes on behalf of us. And one of the things I want to do this morning is I want to just give you a few thoughts about prayer, but I want to talk to you about the difference. And I want to, first of all, dismantle. I want to dismantle some of our thinking about corporate prayer. Many of us have been raised to think that prayer is personal. By the way, guys, uh, sound people, I will not be doing the video this morning. I'll, I'll, I'll wait on that. So I'm just—I'm sorry. I had a video I was going to do, but I'm going to hold off on that. Thank you. Uh, many of us have been raised to think. In fact, many of us have probably watched too much Hollywood movies and television about church life. And how many of you have ever been raised to think that in church, you, you're quiet? When you come to church, you're quiet. Anybody ever come out of a quiet church in your lifetime? From a background? How many of you have ever, have ever been told that your prayer life is a personal thing and it's just between you and God? Anybody ever raised to think that way? And the reason why I know that is because I usually don't hear a lot of you pray when we pray. And many of you may, well, Pastor Ray, that's, uh, prayer is, is between me and God, and it's, I don't want everybody hearing my prayer. Well, there is personal prayer, and then there is corporate body prayer. God never intended for you to just be quiet when we all come together. In fact, in the New Testament, how many of you believe the New Testament is a pattern for the church? You will find that in the book of Acts, the book of Acts is the pattern. It's the blueprint. In the book of Acts, they made lots of noise. Now, I'm not talking about just making noise for the sake of noise. But there's something about the body of Christ that is alive. Everyone say alive. There's something about your bodies and your voice when you incorporate your body and your voice in prayer that actually activates 
and begins to cause God's presence to descend in the body, and we experience what we know as the manifest presence of God. Years ago, when I was 10 years old in 1965, I will never forget, I was a 10-year-old boy coming to church with my parents. And at that time, we were used to singing psalms and hymns. We were not a praying church. We did not pray. Uh, Pastor Iverson, my pastor even to this day, he did not at that time understand the importance and the power of corporate prayer. Most people thought of prayer as, you know, before a meal and we pray for help and we go to God when we're in trouble and we we pray uh, uh, and and we kind of, I don't know about you, but years ago I used to pray uh, a prayer. It's like going to Las Vegas and I hope I get the big one, you know. I hope this one makes it to heaven somehow. I hope it at least gets beyond the rafters of the roof. I hope this prayer gets up there. I, I really didn't have a knowledge of prayer. I had no understanding of the power. I did not understand that within every believer held the key that unlocked the forces and the power of heaven on earth. I didn't know that. I didn't understand what the priesthood of the believer was all about. I didn't understand that prayer was a weapon. I didn't understand that my voice had the power to bind and loose hell. I didn't know that. I didn't know that I had the power to bind and loose the powers of hell. I didn't understand that. I was always praying when I would pray growing up. And even when I was a young kid, I always prayed from a place of defeat. I prayed from a place of always being the victim. Always praying from from a place of being what I call a spiritual beggar. How many have ever seen someone beg? God, please, please, watch it, please do something, God. I know, don't, don't, don't all shout me down here. But, but that's the way I used to pray. Because I did not understand what my place was before my Heavenly Father. I prayed like an orphan. I prayed like a beggar. I didn't understand the power and the keys that was delivered unto me when Jesus died, rose again, and was seated on the right. I did not understand the purpose of the church at all. I was raised. I came with my parents to church. And when corporate prayer was prayed, it was always the guy behind the pulpit that did the praying. I just came and I watched. My job was to watch. And I watched. And I looked. But I had no idea that I was part of the body of Christ. Everyone say the body of Christ. Now how many how many of you this morning when you got up when you got out of bed, how many of you got up and you went to the bathroom? Praise God. Well, some of you are liars. We'll pray for you right now. Well, when I get up, I go to the bathroom. And I'm so glad that when I got up to go to the bathroom, the rest of my body went with me to the bathroom. Now, sometimes my both legs want to stay in bed, sometimes an arm. My head wants to keep in the... But when I got up out of bed... I come into the restroom, and I usually go to the restroom. One of the first couple things I do, usually, is my right hand will go for the lather, and I will take some shaving cream, and I will take the shaving cream from the with the can, 
and I will spray it with my right hand. My right hand will serve my left hand by putting a nice clump of lather. And then my left hand will serve my face. And I will put lather all over my face. Then my right hand goes and grabs a razor blade, and I begin to shave my face. I'm so glad my both hands are in unity. I'm so glad they're both operating. Because I would not want to stand before you with an unshaven face. And I'm so glad that my right hand listened to my brain to brush my teeth, or you probably would all be grossed out by here. So I'm so grateful. And then, of course, both hands and both legs serve my belly well when we go and eat breakfast. So I go down to the table, and, and, and I, I sit and I eat, and I'll eat my Cheerios, and I will go upstairs, and I will comb my hair, and I will put my clothes, and I will... But how many of you know it, 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 it took the entire body working together for that to happen? Now, the Apostle Paul, without going to the passage in 1 Corinthians 12, talks about the many-membered body. Now, one of the things that happens, God intends for you to understand that releasing heaven on earth means that every person has a part to play. Everyone say every person. Now, let me illustrate this to you. I'm going to go back to the piano here. And uh, I'm going to play a note on the piano. If they can play. Can I get a note on my piano back here or... Okay, can you imagine coming to church and you have uh, one person doing all the singing? Let's call that a one-note church. But can you imagine when, when we... begin to add other notes and the harmony and we begin to come together, there's a fullness. There's something about when everyone and all the notes are harmonizing and coming together in the power of worship and prayer. How many of you hear the beauty of that? But can you imagine someone getting up and say, folks, I've got a song to play for you this morning. And what I'm going to do is this. But all the other keys are silent. They don't want to play. But low C and low E and G decide to enter in by faith. And they all decide to lift up their voices together. They decide that they're part of something much greater. Are you there? But sometimes you come into a church E 
Sister E and letter G and brother A, can you join in with us? No. I was raised to say that I need to be quiet because I sound horrible when I sing. I don't want to sing. I don't want to lift my voice. I'd cause everybody to drop dead right on the spot. I, I want to tell you something. We have been raised to think that singing and worship and prayer is all about entertainment. And, so, it's all, and, and we've been raised to think that it's just a personal thing between me and God. No, there's personal prayer, and you need to have personal prayer. Jesus said when you pray, he said this, go into your closet. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Now, Matthew 6 is talking about personal prayer. But in the Bible, there was corporate prayer. And we find this in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, it says, And all they that believed came together in one accord in one place, and it says they lifted up their voice. Now, you may say, well, Pastor Roy, what are you trying to get me to get involved for? Anyone want to find out why I want you to get involved? Because the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of the pastor. It doesn't say that. It says God inhabits the praises of the people. We're a body. Everyone say we're part of the body. Look at your neighbor and say, you're part, you're a part. Now you may say, well, what are you getting at, Pastor Ray? What are you getting at? Well, just like the hand can't say to the left hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the nose or to the ear, I don't need you. All of us are working together and we all come to make it in concert when we begin to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, we make beautiful music. There's something in the heart of God that is touched but sometimes we have to dismantle some doctrine, dismantle some pride. We need to dismantle voices because when, it, when John was talking about prayer and the importance of prayer and the power of prayer, releasing heaven on earth, how many of you believe that God wants to take us up to greater levels of, of empowerment and life and release of the river of God, not only in us, but through us and touch our world around us. You know, John this morning was speaking prophetically. We don't know what the, what days lie ahead in our nation. We, we do believe some things are going to be coming. We're not prophesying any doom or gloom, but we do believe change is in order. And one of the things I want to say to you folks, that unless New Life Fellowship becomes a house of prayer we will not be able to make it through unless we become a powerhouse of prayer. Do you know Jesus didn't say my house shall be called a house of preaching or a house of faith or a house of music or a house of choirs or a house of social events. He said my house shall become a house of prayer. So there's personal prayer my personal prayer has to do with my personal life, personal needs, personal issues. I come before the Lord. I would never come before New Life in the corporate gathering and say, Father God, look at the sins that I've committed. Lord, you knew I argued with my wife this week. 
Oh, Lord, help her to have some insight. I would never lift my voice like that. See, that's a personal thing I bring before God. I would bring that before the Lord in my personal closet. I don't come and say, oh, God, Lord, you see how my kids need you this way. And, and you'd be saying, boy, listen to Pastor Ray talk about his kids. Pray, Boy, he's just praying everything in him. That, that's personal. I take that before God in my prayer. But when I come together with you, I am now in a corporate gathering, and you're, you're part of the, the body of Christ. And do you know that my voice and your voice together lifting up and prophetically empowering you to go to new levels? Can you say amen? And so when I'm worshiping the Lord, you, you might be hearing me say, Father God, open the heavens, Lord, and release your glory and healing and power and anointing, O Lord. Father, release your glory among us as saints. You might be hearing that. Pastor Ray said, release your glory. Pastor John over here might have said, Lord, just release your healing power and bring unity. Yes, yes, Lord. Lord, bring unity. Lord, re release your glory. Father. Now I begin to enter in, and I begin to lift my voice. I'm not just hearing Pastor John, Pastor Ray. I am now coming into the harmony of, the, of this concert, coming together as we begin to worship the Lord, and we begin to bless the Lord. But I do want to say right now that what I'm saying goes contrary to some of the way that you've been brought up. Some of you were brought up to say, you don't, you don't lift your voice in church. You're not worthy. How dare you lift your voice? It's, well, it's only for the priest. It's only for the leaders. Only for the pastor. You, you, you just keep quiet. After all, you don't have anything to say. You know what? The devil has done a good job in beating the body of Christ down. In telling you that you aren't worthy. You can't sing. You can't speak. You have nothing to contribute. You have nothing to say. I'm here to tell you right now the devil's a liar. And I'm here to tell you, God wants to release. He wants to empower you this morning. He wants this church to become so powerful and so uh, 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 understanding of a holy boldness. Where the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, in fact, I actually jump with me to Acts chapter 4 real quick. This is after John and Peter were released from the, the Sanhedrin. In Acts chapter 4, listen to what it says. It says, and being let go, chapter 4, verse 23, they went out on their own companies and reported all that the chief priests and elders said. So when they heard, they raised their voice to God. Everyone say raise. This was what happened in the early church. It didn't say that the apostles prayed. It says they, the body, the church in Jerusalem... They raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God and you made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David had said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things in the kings of the earth? I take their stand and the rulers gather together. The Bible says they did this in unity. 
For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you've anointed, Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, when they were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hands to heal and the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Notice verse 31. This is powerful. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was what? Everyone say shaken. How many of you know God wants to shake them some things up? When they had prayed, the place was shaken. I, I, I want to tell you something. God wants to shake some strongholds. God wants to bring down some strongholds, and He wants to begin to bring a transition in our life. The purpose of prayer is to unlock the powers of heaven and descend upon the earth and to begin to impact the world around you. To impact your neighbors, to impact your marriage, to impact your children. That's why the Bible says, and those that believed came together. Do you know the most important thing? I'll never forget Pastor Jim Cimbala out of Brooklyn, New York. He started a church. The Lord led him back in the late 70s to start a work in Brooklyn. It was, it was in a very difficult place. Gangs, drugs, prostitution. And they found this old theater where they begin to meet. And when they begin to meet in this place, he says, Pat, he, he writes in this book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And he says, when we begin to meet, we would be meeting in the services and he said, as we were meeting, there were times where bullets would be flying through the congregation. People would, there would be drive-by shootings, but we kept worshiping the Lord. Luckily, not luckily, but thank God no one was hit by these flying bullets. But one by one, he said, we, when we started our, 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 our services out, he said there was such an oppression in the assembly. When we would c come together as people, there were very few people that really understood the purpose of the kingdom and the purpose of the church and the purpose of the spirit-filled life. Many people literally came together because of social gatherings, and secondly, they came together because of a food ministry that they had going on in their church. But many of the people had no concept or understanding of their identity and their sonship. In the kingdom of God. They had no understanding of who they were in Christ. Many of them come out of broken homes. Many of them were out of broken lives of addiction and prostitution. And, and, and being raised in second, third and fourth generations. Raised in gangs where their fathers, children, never had their fathers around. And so when, when they begin to open up these food ministries and food lines in Brooklyn, in, in their church, the Brooklyn uh, uh, Tabernacle Church there in Brooklyn, with Pastor uh, Jim and Carol Simbala, as they begin to gather, he says, the one thing I realized is that we had people coming for food and for, for a certain ministry, but we were lacking the power, we were lacking the presence of God. And so he began to seek the Lord. He began to ask the Lord, he says, Lord... We are in a dark place. 
We are in a place where we need a sovereign move of God. We are in a place where we need to see your presence. Many of the people, when Jim would preach, he says this in his book in the very first chapter, I would be preached, I would preach my heart out. He says it just seemed to go through one ear and out the other. I, I wasn't connecting with the people because there was so much oppression. There was so much, there was so much defeat and there was so much addiction in their lives. And many of them just, when he would begin to preach about the power of sonship and the power of the kingdom, many of them could not grasp the truth of it because they had never experienced a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so he began to go away. His father-in-law sent him to Florida and he was on a fishing trip. And as he was praying, he was literally on this fishing boat out in the Florida Keys. And he really wasn't out there to fish, but he was at the back of the boat and he was weeping before the Lord. And God spoke to Pastor Jim Cimbala. He said, if you will call your church together, and if your people will begin to cry out and call upon the Lord, and that your church will become noted for and would become a place of prayer. God spoke to him. He says, you will never lack for messages to preach. You will never lack for funds in your church. And you will never lack for the power of my presence to be revealed. And so he came back so excited and he stood up and he says, God spoke to me. It's nothing new. It's nothing necessarily a great revelation, but he says that if we as a church would begin to pray and seek the face of the Lord, that God would hear, God would respond, and God would begin to turn things around. He said all of a sudden as we begin to pray, we begin to pray for our city. We did prayer walks, they said in their, this book, and they would begin to walk in their city. And they would begin to pray over prostitution houses and over taverns. And they begin to pray over particular individuals that were the gang leaders. Well, guess what happened? These people start getting saved. How many of you know when you begin to see the power of God work in a city, you're not, it's not going to make the devil happy. Because when they begin to, some people begin to get saved and they start coming into the church. He says, we didn't have church like normal church. But the people that were getting saved and getting born again, when God set them free, one of the things about them is they, they seem to have lots and lots of joy. And there was a freedom in their life. And they said, you know what? I was raised in church years ago, and that church was so dead, there was no life in it, there was no voice, there was no happiness. He said, but I don't want to go to a church like that. I want, I, I need church where the power and the life and the presence of God is powerful and active. How many of you know that our young people today need a reality touch from the God that is going to give them a better high than drugs or sex will? They need something more that is so real that will cause them to run to the house of God and be so absolutely turned on and blessed by it that it transforms their lives. I want you to see something in Matthew 6. Jump with me to Matthew 6, verse 5. This is what Jesus said. When you pray, he didn't say if you pray. He said, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room 
And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, what Jesus is talking here about is the motive for prayer. Now, we know that Jesus is not saying that all prayer is to be secret prayer or private prayer, because we see that that was not the case in the book of Acts. They prayed, the Bible says, as one man. They prayed in unity. They prayed together. That's corporate prayer. But Jesus is dealing with the motive. He's saying that our motive for prayer should not be seen by men, but our motive for prayer should be approved by the Father. Amen? That's what he's saying. Now notice what he says down in verse 9. In this way we are to pray. Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now here is the will of God. Jesus said that when we pray, we are to pray our Father. What does that do immediately? That right there establishes the fact that you are no longer orphans, but sons and daughters. You have a father. And you are in a relationship with a father in heaven who wants you to begin to think like a son. He wants you to understand that you have access to the treasures and the wealth of your heavenly father. You are not to live like some pauper, some beggar. You have some power. You have access to wealth, treasures, and riches of the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to tell you something. I have three sons. And all of my three sons are all married. They've gone off and they're building their own homes and their own lives. But you know what? My three sons have something that none of you have. I'm not trying to be nasty or horrible here, but my three sons still have a key to my house. My sons can come into my house anytime. They can get a sandwich out of the refrigerator. They can come into my tool shed. They can borrow tools that they want. They can use my pickup. Why? Because I'm their dad and they're my sons. They have access to all my treasures, and I want them to. Now, I would like to know when they take the truck to let me know that they took the truck. But here's the point. Very seldom do I, I, I want them to know I want to help them. I want to bless them. Why? Because they're my sons. I love my sons. I want them to have access. How many of you know you have a heavenly father just like that? He wants you to know you have access. You are not cut off. You are not some victim. You are not some spiritual orphan. You are not some beggar. God, you know I need a job, God. Where's the job? You, I know I'm not worthy because I've done so many bad and horrible things in my life. God, you, you don't serve God. And you actually, it doesn't help yourself to talk like that. God wants you to talk and recognize that you're a son, you're accepted and approved in his sight. And that's so important. Now, it says that when we pray, we're to release heaven. In other words, he wants you to know that I have access to the Father. And there, there are some things that I, I need to realize that, that when I pray, you need to pray from these three positions. Number one, I pray from a position of acceptance and favor 
in the sight of my, my Heavenly Father. I pray from that position. I don't pray from a position of poverty or a possession of defeat. I pray from a position of victory. I used to pray that way. God, do you know the trouble I'm in? I used to pray like that. I don't pray that way anymore. I say, Father, thank you. That if God be for me, who can be against me? Thank you, Lord, that Satan is under my feet and he has no dominion in my life or in my mind or in my heart or my life. Thank you, Father, for that dominion. And you know what? I flaunt it. When I'm in prayer, I thank God and I boast in the power of the Lord and what he has done for me. And I give Satan no room. Because I know who I am in Christ. Oh, Pastor Ray, are you, are you telling us that it's okay to have that kind of confidence in God in prayer? Yes. God wants you to walk with your head tall. Do you know what is going to attract the ungodly to you? It's the fact that you are a winner. That you are a child of God. You're not defeated. You're not some loser. You're not some person who's just living uh, with some kind of low expectation. The second thing we pray for is a position of victory. I'm not only accepted, but I'm victorious. When Jesus died and rose again, I died, I rose again with him. And I am a more than a conqueror in Christ. I pray from that place of victory. The last thing we pray from is a place of expectation. I pray from that place of expectancy. I expect God to hear me. Now, God has not always answered every one of my prayers. And thank God he hasn't. Have you ever prayed something and thank God later on that he didn't answer the prayer you prayed? I've done that many times. God, thank you for not answering that prayer. I see now why you didn't. Oh, that's been many times. God is so faithful. He won't always answer your prayers. Sometimes it's an issue of delay. Sometimes God will sometimes speak to you and say, Ray, you're not ready for what I'm coming in. Ready, you're not ready for what I'm preparing you for yet because I, I need you to pass some tests. I need you to process some things in your life because the promotion that I'm going to bring to you is going to be so amazing that it's going to require some character. It's going to require some strength on the inside. Amen. Are you following what I'm saying this morning? God wants us to become people. Now, jump with me. Last scripture. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. If you can jump with me to James Chapter 5, notice what it says here. James 5. This is the authority. Notice what it says. James 5, verse 13. Is any among you suffering? Is any among... Let him go to the psychiatrist. Is that what it says? What does it say? Let him pray. Let him call Pastor Ray. No, it didn't say that. It says... If anyone is suffering, let him pray. You know, sometimes, and I, I, I love to help people. Carol and I, we love people. We love pastoring. But many times I'll ask people when they call me about a problem, I'll say, have you prayed? Well, not really yet, Pastor, but I'm asking you to pray. And I'll say, well, I'll pray, but have you prayed? Well, no, I, 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 I really don't think my prayers get beyond the shingles of my house. I I really don't believe. And I said, I want you to start 
realizing, and I, I'm going to pray with you. I will stand with you. But God wants you to know you have the keys too. God wants you to pray. He says this, is any man among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. Now, there's a place where the elders of the church do need to be called. Sometimes there's strongholds. There's, there's issues of deliverance. Elders need to be called, and we need to anoint and pray over you. That's an important thing. Don't be ashamed to be asked for prayer. Notice verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will what? Raise them up. Everyone say, raise up. God says, I'll raise them up. Any of these committed sins, they will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That word avails means to see action with great force behind it. God says that the effective, fervent prayer of what kind of a man? A righteous man. A man who's in right standing, the Bible says that man's going to see some action. Now, we're coming together in fasting and prayer starting next week. And one of the things, I, by the way, how many of you got a bulletin in your hands? How many of you got a bulletin? How many do not have a bulletin? I want to do something. In fact, I'd like all of us to stand to our feet. Can we all stand to our feet for, for a minute? I want us to do exactly what James says we're going to do. I want you to get with one person, one person, and we're going to do something, what we should be doing as a church already. You can get with your spouse, you can get with a friend. I'm hoping that everybody can just find one person. I want, I want young people involved in this. By the way, who does not have a bulletin? Uh, could you bring some bulletins down? I, I need everybody to have this insert of a bulletin. Because what I'm going to do on this bulletin, the Bible says, Paul says this, that says that every joint supplies, everyone edifies, everyone supplies. James says we are to pray one for another. Amen. Everyone say pray. pray. We're, to pray. We're to pray one for another. But not only that, it also says, which I didn't even have time to, I'm going to get to it maybe next week, we're to prophesy. Paul says, I would that you all prophesy. In other words, we're going to make some declarations. Now, uh, James or Bill, can you guys give me some music back there? I want to kind of bring an atmosphere of worship. But I, I have put a prayer here on the prayer side, and then on the back side, there's a declaration. I would like you to pray over that person that you're standing with. Just pray this prayer. Then turn the page over, and then I'd like you to, to declare these decrees upon that person. Can you do that for me? And then when you're done, hand the paper to the other person and have them pray for you and declare back to you. Can we do that together? Just for the next few minutes. Let's do that together. Just right now. Now, I'd like you to pray out loud. No one talking to themselves. 
that doesn't, I don't want any silent prayer. This is, we're going to make some noise here. Amen. Go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for such a wonderful gift to the body of Christ that you gave me when you allowed the name of this, John, Bill, Fred, the cross paths. <laughs> thank you, Lord. United with such an individual. Thank you, Lord. The power of the new freedom and grace of rest. I declare them free and highly favored. Thank you. Thank you. Confession of faith and their love. Through their, that they may see Jesus in a new and a fresh and living way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And then just turn over and, and make that declaration upon your loved one there, your friend. You were loved and honored by my Heavenly Father. You were born for greatness, and every thought and plan from your heaven is to give you a future and a hope. It's broken off your life through the power and the life in Jesus. You're a blessing. And you need to live above only as the head and not the tail. You're washed from all your sins and declared forgiven through the shed blood of Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. You're now a son of the Most High. You will prosper in all you do because God is for you. You're my friend and I will stand with you to pray and intercede as my brother, sister, and I know that all things are working. Let it be so. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Far be it from me to not believe Even when my eyes can't see Yes, Lord. And this mountain that's in front of me We'll be thrown into the midst of the sea. And through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Jesus, Jesus. And through it all, through it all, oh, it is well. Oh. And through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. And it is well.
just say that God has ordained this church to have a unique place in this city. Remember Pastor Gentile's word over us in August this year. He says, this place, this church, has a unique calling in this city. One of the things that I see in this church is the love of God. I've talk to so many visitors that have been touched by your love by your your heart and I just want to say we are a family and everyone is important everyone everyone is important everyone is valued there's nobody higher than anybody else and you know what the thing that's going to attract the lost is the love of God. Love, it's not miracles, it's not power, it's not just signs and wonders. When people experience the value and the honor that our Heavenly Father shows them through you and through the genuineness that you have. And I, I just want you to know that God has a plan to unite us. I believe he's uniting us as a family. And he loves you this morning. And he's going to take us to new levels. Amen? Amen. I want you to just take your neighbor by the hand. I, I know I brought you together here. But he values you. He values this house. And he wants us to become a praying people. We're not going to pray mechanically, religiously, or just even individually. 
We're praying as a body. I need to hear you pray. I need you to pray over me. Bill, I need you to pray over me. Tony, I need your prayer over me. Claire, I need your prayer over me. Aaron, I need your prayer. Alex, why, we need, we need one another in concert, becoming one man in one accord. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that it is well. It is well with our soul. We thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us that through the power of prayer, we can release heaven on earth. We can release the power of the kingdom and the love of the Father through our prayer and through our lives and through our touch. Lord, we thank you for the many members in this house. I thank you, Lord. There's no greater place that I'd rather be than in this place with these people. Father, I pray that you would just continue to strengthen us. We come into this season of fasting and prayer. Prayer. I pray for supernatural encounters. Pray for breakthroughs. Pray, O oh Lord, that you would just cause us to walk in the power of sonship and daughters and sons in the kingdom. Washed in the blood of the Lamb, accepted, made righteous in your sight. Father, we love you today. We give you praise. And everyone said, yeah. give someone a hug. God bless you as you leave this afternoon. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you, Doc. You're my friend. You're great.